0: pandemic, a contentious election cycle, a divisive media on both the right and the left, endless arguments over social issues, church division and arguments. If there was ever a time in the history of our society when we needed more of the Spirit in our lives, it's now. This series is a study of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we're talking about how we can have more of these things in our lives. Thank you for joining us as we talk about life by the Spirit. All right, well, good morning. It's good to see you. And it's good to be back with you today. Things are starting to feel A little bit normal again, a little bit. Let's hope they stay a little bit normal. But uh, it is, uh, I was excited about today because there's so much stuff starting back today. And you heard about some of that. Like we're starting back the nursery today, and that's available in both services. We're starting back student ministry today, and that's only in the 11. But the idea was if you come at 9.30 and and worship with your family, then maybe you can stay over. And uh, parents can either run some errands or volunteer in the children's ministry or do something. But we got student ministry starting back at 11.00. Fifth and sixth grade was already rolling. Shoulders, ministry was already rolling. We started doing prepared communion again today. I think we actually started last week, but I wasn't here, so I didn't didn't see that. But I think we started last week because of a supply problem with the prepackaged stuff. But I'm not a fan of the prepackaged stuff. I think I've made that clear. But uh, we started back prepared communion today. Uh, Not so scary. It's coming back. Like There's all this stuff finally coming back, and it's exciting. And I was going to do one other thing today. I talked myself out of it uh, this morning. But uh, I was going to reintroduce one thing that we haven't done at this church since March 8th of 2020. And uh, so it's nearly been 20 months since we've done this on a Sunday morning. And what I was going to do is I was going to pass the offering tray. Uh, you realize we hadn't done that in like 20 months. We hadn't passed the offering tray. We went to the, the collection boxes on the back wall. And I like the collection boxes. Like I, I think that's a good solution. But people are saying like, I just forget you know I just it's out of sight out of mind and I'll have my check in the back pocket and as soon as church is over I get to talking to somebody and I just kind of walk out of there and I just I forget about it and uh so I was thinking well maybe we need to pass the trays maybe that would make it easier for people to pass the trays and I talked myself out of it this morning for one reason I was responsible for getting the volunteers and I thought what how many people do we need to do that and I was like well pre-pandemic we used eight people per service to pass the offering. So uh, when we were doing three services, that was 24 volunteers that we used every Sunday to pass the offering. And I thought, there's got to be an easier way. Why don't we just put boxes on the wall or something? I'm like, there's got to be an easier way to do the offering. And so I, I texted Tim early this morning and said, I'm not going to pass the trays. We're just going to use the boxes. I'll explain later. But uh, hopefully, I'm just going to give it a few more weeks to see if we get used to these boxes here. But we do need to do our offering. We haven't done that yet. So don't get up. If you've got a physical check, you don't have to go do it right now. Um, you can wait until you leave. Just don't get to talking. Uh, but you can wait until you leave. Or you can do it in the morning when you come in. Um, we also, Parker, can you throw that up, our, our offering there? If you give given electronically, there's all the ways that you do that. You can do that through the Church Center app. And I understand we got a few problems with the Church Center app this morning. There's some glitches there. Um, but hopefully it'll, that's not our fault. Hopefully it'll get back up soon. But you can give through that app. You can text, uh, or there's a link online. If you're online, you can, you can hit the link online. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before we dig into the message this morning is I want to talk about the van back there. Because I'm really proud of that van. Uh, Y'all don't realize, I mean, like, we we put that in here because we wanted to promote Not So Scary, and we're looking for candy stations and all that kind of stuff. And that was an idea that Scott and I had two weeks ago. And we're like, man, how could we kind of make a big deal out of Not So Scary? And he said, well, what if we took the van, what if we rolled the van out of the children's ministry? That normally is in our beach room, if you're not normally uh, here. That's normally in the beach room down there where the children's ministry is. So we rolled it out the double doors around the church And right through those double doors back there. And you look at that van you look at those double doors, you're like, there's no way it's going to fit. It does fit. That's exactly the way. We we had to take a door off. Uh, And it was to get that thing out of here, we had to have two people pushing. There's no, the steering wheel doesn't work. Two people pushing, one person on the right wheel and one person on the left wheel, and the person on the right wheel and left wheel just had to kind of grab the tire and and turn it. And then we had the doors off and it was halfway through because it wasn't fit and it was scratching the doors and all that. And I thought, man, if somebody shows up right now, they're going to think we're crazy. And Don and Kay Given, you showed up right then. (laughs) It's like, they're going to think we're crazy. But we rolled it in here because we want to, like, we need about 30 more candy stations and we wanted to make it a big deal because. This is the first year that we've ever put Not So Scary on Halloween. And we were running a little bit of a risk doing that because we said, if we put Not So Scary on Halloween, we're going to have a bigger crowd because people are going to go, hey, let's go to Murray Hills at 4, let's go to Haunting in the District at 5.30, and then let's go trick-or-treating in our own neighborhood at 6. Like the kids will just rack up. So we're expecting a bigger crowd, but we're like, it may hurt our volunteer situation. So we're, we're, gonna, we're, just, we're going with it. So uh, if you're interested in a candy station, Ebony explained how to sign up for that, and you can use the cards to sign up for that as well. But it's pretty simple. They spent about 20 bucks decorating that van back there. And you don't even have to do that much if you don't want to. You can do something a little bit simpler than that. All right. Um, Galatians 5. That's where we are. Galatians 5 verse 13. If you got a Bible with you, we're starting a new series today called Life by the Spirit. And uh, we're going to be talking about the fruits of the Spirit from now all the way through the end of the year, which is only 10 more weeks. We're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're going to talk about love, joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and if you will think about those characteristics if there was ever a time in our country in our society in our lives where we needed more of those things more love more joy more kindness more patience if there was ever a time it's now after going through a pandemic and uh, a contentious election cycle, and continuing or lingering political fights over all sorts of things—I don't even want to mention them because it'll trigger some of you. Uh, after going through the, you know, all the division, all the social issues that people fuss about in our country, and all the division that's going on, and a media on the right and the left that tries to divide. After going, th- like, I'm just—I just keep looking around our world and going, we need more of the Holy Spirit. We need more of the Holy Spirit in our churches. We need more of the Holy Spirit in our society, in our communities. We need more of the Holy Spirit at the UT game at the end to, for some self-control and some kindness and goodness. Like, we just need more of the Holy Spirit in all different capacities of our lives. And so that's what we're going to talk about. For the next 10 weeks, we're going to focus on how do we get more of the Holy Spirit in our lives and so that we can live and embody some of the characteristics of the Spirit. So uh, back this summer... In July, I took the family on a vacation to Vegas. We did a family. We took the kids to Vegas for family vacation. It was a national park trip, not a gambling trip, because I see the looks right now. It's a national park trip. I, don't even, I I couldn't even figure out the slot machines. Not that I tried, but they're not, they're not the way they used to be. Like, you don't just put something in there and pull the. They're all electronic. It's weird. Anyway, I didn't try. Um, but we went to Vegas, and on the way back, we were flying... Um, I think it was Southwest or maybe it was American, I can't remember but we were on the exit row, me and Lily were on the exit row and the the flight attendant had a jump seat that was facing us so it was kind of unique, like we, she, was, she was just right across from me during takeoff and landing and so I don't like talking to people on an airplane but you got no choice when they're, they're like sitting, we were nearly knee to knee just looking at each other like you got to talk about something and so I asked her On the way back, we were flying from Dallas to Nashville, I think it was, and I asked her, I said, What's it been like to fly this year? Like, what's it been like 2021? And she said, It's the worst it's ever been in my 30 years of being a flight attendant. She said, People's behavior is the worst it's ever been. I mean they're terrible. I've had co we've had people spitting on us and cussing us out and getting belligerent in the plane like we've had to stop the plane and not let it take off and get somebody removed from the plane. She said I've had 5 co-workers. 5 who have been physically gotten physical altercations in this year. And she said one of them had somebody follow her after we landed. Followed the van with the flight attendants to the hotel and was beaten on her hotel door because of something that happened on the airplane. She said, "It's the wor- people's behavior is the worst I've ever seen in 30 years of flying. I've never seen people's behavior this bad." And the statistics back her up. Listen to this: the FAA says that this has been the worst year for they call it air rage and you've seen this like you've seen this stuff on tiktok you've seen this stuff on on instagram you've seen this on youtube you know these air rage incidents we watch these things and some of them are well let's be honest some of them are funny and and some of them we're just kind of fascinated it's like watching a wreck at nascar we're just kind of fascinated when somebody self-destructs and some of them are downright scary but she said listen to this faa here uh, they've investigated more cases in 2021 than the last six years combined. Over 4,000 reports of unruly behavior resulting in a million dollars in fines. Airlines no longer serve alcohol because they, they just like we, we can't right now because people are just we can't make it any worse than it is. And then I started looking up this week like road rage is the same thing. You got air rage and you got road rage. And we're on pace this year to surpass 500 injuries or deaths from road rage, which passes 2020, which was the worst year on record since they started keeping statistics. Every 18 hours in this country, every 18 hours a person is injured or dies from a road rage incident and it's not just air rage and it's not just road rage there's violent like you just it, it, there's an increase in violent incidents there's an increase in confrontations there's an increase in physical altercations like we see it in nearly every aspect of our lives and it's like why are we so angry like why why are we so why do we come unhinged so easily like what is going on in our society that we can't hold it together if an official makes a call against us i mean like what is going on why are why are we so upset and and why do we 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 take things so far and we're raging about all of these things and why are we divided in in churches and divided in families and you know like we're not talking to each other like what what is going on and i answered part of that already if you think about it but what is what is going on like 2020 and 2021 have been fairly stressful, right? And that, those, are, we get, those have been fairly stressful years. I said, uh, the elders, we had an elders meeting uh, Wednesday night, and I said, this is probably the most challenging year of ministry that I've ever had. Like, the most challenging year to lead a church and, uh, that I've ever had in 20-something years of full-time ministry. And um, that's not a pastor problem. That, like I, Teachers are telling me this is the most challenging year I've ever taught and medical professionals and nurses this is the most challenging year to be uh, in, in the medical profession and people who own businesses and uh, I mean it's it, flight attendants like it's all across the board because everybody is stressed and what happens when we're stressed is usually that stress spills out as frustration or anger uh, and it's happening a lot over and over and over and over and over again and so apparently we as humans don't do very well handling stress and uh, it's starting to spill out in unhealthy ways, And we see examples all the time. But I think there's a little something deeper going on, because I look like at the course of human history and say, "Well, 2020' is not the most stressful year in human history, is it?" <laughs> or 2021 is I mean, I understand things have been tough, but we've had political fights before, we've had pandemics before. We've fought over social issues before. We've had politicians seek to divide us before. I mean, you can, you can. I love reading history, and you can read history and, and find out that this we're not. It's some unique period, and unprecedented is the word that always keeps coming up. This is an unprecedented time, unprecedented time. Like, no, it's precedent. We've done it before. We didn't handle it much better before than we're handling it now. But we've done it before. So what's going on? What is going on at a deeper spiritual level that's causing us to act this way? Or react this way. That's one of the questions that I think Paul answers in this text we're gonna look at. In Galatians chapter five, verse thirteen, Paul is writing a letter to the Galatian church, and I think he answers the question about what is going on. Let's start reading it here. I'll have it on the screen so you can follow along. He says in verse 13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. I will read that one again because it's so relevant. And what Paul's saying is, you're you're called to be free. As believers, you are free. And he's writing this letter to the Galatians is to free them from legalism. Because there's people coming in and saying, you know, Paul was teaching all you need is Jesus. And they're like, no, 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 you need Jesus plus something else. And this is the Jewish customs and laws at the time. So Paul's trying to free them from legalism. He says, you're called to be free. But don't abuse your freedom. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to engage in selfishness. And and your own desires. But use your freedom to serve other people in love. Verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, verse 18 makes sense. If you read all of Galatians, you'll understand why he throws that in there. But what's important there is just the idea that we're called to walk by the Spirit, and the, the Spirit and the flesh are fighting each other. The flesh wants what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit wants what is contrary to the flesh. And uh, they're in conflict with each other. We are not to do whatever we want. We're, we're to yield to the Spirit, which is where he goes. But he gives some examples. Verse 19. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. So it's a, it, it's a list that sounds a little familiar to us when you start drunkenness. Uh, factions, dissensions, selfish ambition, fits of rage, hatred, discord, jealousy. Now, Paul's, Paul's writing 2,000 years earlier than this year. But he's describing a lot of things because human society hasn't really changed. The human sinfulness is still present. And so he's given examples of what it means to walk according to the flesh. And he says in verse 21, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I do not think what he's saying in that passage is those who live like this will not go to heaven. And I think that's a common misinterpretation of the passage. He's saying will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I read the kingdom of God as the rule and reign of God. And what he's saying is if you continue to live according to this way, if you continue to live according to hatred and jealousy and discord and drunkenness, you will not allow God to rule in your heart. Because there's no room for God to rule in your heart because you're following your own desires. So you're you're kicking God off the throne and not allowing the kingdom. So that's what I think he means by you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you live according to these ways. But he provides the alternative, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And again, that kind of references his overarching point there is about there's you know, in other words, you can't we can't make a bunch of rules to make people do that. They're gonna find the University of Tennessee, but I don't know what they could have done to stop it. You see what I mean? But like, or, or they're gonna they're gonna find these air rage passengers. I don't know what you can do to stop it because you can't legislate love, or you can't legislate joy. Like we're demanding that you be joyful. We're demanding that you be patient it's got to be an internal heart change. Now, I know there's got to be some law, but, hey, but what Paul's basically saying here, like if your religion is trying to legislate goodness and faithfulness, and all, it, it, you just can't. There's got to be an internal heart. There's got to be something that changes on the inside that makes people do that because people don't do that just because there's a law. <laughs> people don't do that just people, don't, people aren't joyful just because you say you've got to be joyful. So here's, here's the key to it all. This is what he's getting at. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So here's the thing. This is the alternative that Paul provides. As Christians, we are called to crucify our old self, to, to put to death the old self and to put on the new self. And the new self is in Christ. And he's contrasting the flesh and the spirit. And uh, there's, there's multiple ways that, that we could contrast this. okay, But um, I think what he's getting at in this, this teaching as a whole is the deeper spiritual struggle that is alive in every single one of us. The deeper spiritual struggle that is alive in our society as a whole, and has always been alive in our society as a whole, there is a battle going on between good and evil, and it goes on in our lives. And uh, for some of us, it's rather obvious sometimes when good and evil battles going on, and for others of us, we hide it a lot better, and it's not always obvious that there's this. But there's a battle for good and evil going on in our lives. It's going on in our families. People have tried to characterize it as like the battle between our, our, our better angels and our worse angels, or the battle between you know, our, our higher self and our lower self. Paul characterizes it as the battle between flesh and spirit. Flesh doesn't mean skin and bones. That's, that's, I, I don't know what to do with his language here because the NIV uses the word flesh. It's not necessarily the best interpretation to me, it's the most literal interpretation, but it's like when we hear flesh, we think of skin and bones. And that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about our sinful habits and our sinful desires. Like our sinful nature is the fleshly side of our lives. The Spirit, again, is problematic because when we hear Holy Spirit, we think of the weird and bizarre, you know, and or the charismatic gifts of the Spirit and that kind of stuff. I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here either. He's talking about just the presence of God in our lives. So the flesh is the presence of sin in our lives, and the Spirit is the presence of God in our lives, and these things are in conflict with one another. The flesh wants to do what... That's my, me doing what I desire to do. And the Spirit is me doing what God desires for me to do. And he talks about this in, in Romans chapter 7 that I want to read to you because it's, I think it's... Well, not, I won't read you the whole chapter. But I just want to read you a bit of this out of the message. And I don't have... Do I, do I have this on the screen? Uh, I tell you what, Parker... Don't have that on the screen because I did not tell Scott that I was going to use the message instead of the NIV. <laughs> so uh, I want—I want to read this out of the message. I just want you to hear it anyway because this is Paul talking about the same thing he talked about in Galatians about this fight going on between good and evil, and all of us have felt this fight. Sometimes we feel it more intensely at certain parts of our lives than other parts of our lives. You may be in the middle of it right now and you feel it, like you feel—you know—your family's going through this battle or you're going through this battle. Uh, we're either coming out of it or right in the middle of it or going into it because it's always there and it's always present. So here's what Paul says. i got to find it because they don't put verses in the message and it drives me crazy. Uh, what I don't understand about myself, and this is, this is Scripture right here. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing the things I actually despise. So I can't be trusted To figure out what's best for myself. And then do it. Because it becomes obvious that that God's command is, is necessary. But I need something more than just God's command. For if I know the law and I still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but then I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Does any of this sound familiar? My decisions such as they are don't result in actions. Something's gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in the delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Christ Jesus can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Now what, what Paul's describing is the universal human struggle. And there's so much good in this passage right here. And what Paul is basically saying is that every one of us is like Homer Simpson. I mean, okay, if you watch The Simpsons, that was a pretty common trope in the show, right? Not that I watch The Simpsons either. I don't gamble or watch The Simpsons. So, uh, but, you know, if Homer's trying to make this decision, what's he going to do to make this decision? There would be the little devil Homer show up on his shoulder... And there'd be the little angel Homer show up on her shoulder. And lots of TV shows and lots of movies do this. I did some research. Like it started like in the second century that they started doing this to describe that there's this. And this devil is kind of whispering in our ear to do one thing. And this angel is whispering in our ear to do something else. And the, the question is, which one are you going to listen to? And I think actually that's a pretty good description of what Paul talks about in Galatians 5 and Romans 7. I think, I think it's fairly accurate. The only thing that I would say is not accurate about this is... When it comes to sin, it's not usually a debate, if you think about it. Like, there's, you're not usually like, the, the devils tell me to do one thing, the angels tell me to do another thing, I'm gonna think about it, and I'm gonna, like, if we come unhinged, like air rage incidents, I don't think people are sitting in their seat going, should I completely have a come apart here, or should I just let this go? Like, they're asking me to pull my mask off, or up, or whatever, should I, should I cuss these people out and get kicked off of this plane, or should I just Pull it up, or should I get some water and drink it so that I don't have to? You know, like I mean, that like you don't really have that debate. If when I have a come apart, it's an impulse, and that's because that little devil is um, is very influential, and he tends to scream a little bit louder than the angel, and uh, he tends to kind of knows how to push my buttons just a little bit better uh, than the angel, and it it just now sometimes there is a debate, and I'll tell you a story about it, but. So many times when we sin, it's because we're not thinking. If we actually did take the time to think through it and process, we wouldn't. I mean, we we would come to... We wouldn't if we actually took the time to process it. Um, Tuesday. Tuesday, I went to uh, my niece's volleyball game at Zion. She plays middle school volleyball. And uh, my nephew is sitting on the front... I'm on like the third row. My nephew's on the front row. And he has a volleyball in his hand. So they're playing volleyball, but he and his buddy both have volleyballs that they took out of the hopper. And they're dribbling them. And we're watching the volleyball game. And the official, you can see the, that's not the actual official. So, but the official's got their back. They're right behind the official right there that's on the, the platform. And they're dribbling the volleyball, which is a little annoying. So that official turns around and says, boys, put those, put those balls behind you. You know, like stop, stop dribbling. And so they do. They put them back behind them. And, you know, after a little bit, they kind of forget about it. They got them back out. They don't dribble, but one of them loses it and, it, and it rolls out just a little bit, not onto the playing surface. It did not stop the game, but it rolls out enough where the official caught it and saw it out of the corner of her eye. And she turned around and laid into them. You know, like, boys, I said take that right down, Take that over there right now. And, you know, like, they, yes, ma'am. They get up, and they start walking. She goes, Right now. Go over there. Put those up. You know, and she's she's getting after him. <clears throat> well, that's my nephew. That's my nephew. You don't talk to my nephew like that. And so Tucker gets up to take the ball and the little devil on my shoulder says, "Tell him not to do that. Tell him not to put that ball, say, Tucker, you sit right there and you dribble that ball if you want to." Well, it was too late. He was already walking across the floor and I couldn't yell at him. So then the devil said, Why don't you tell him to walk across the middle of the floor and interrupt the game? That way, why don't you yell? And I was like, no, that's not a good idea. And then the devil said, well, just tell him to slow down. Tell him to dribble the ball on the way to the hopper as he's putting the hopper up. And then it was too late. He'd already put the ball in the hopper. And then the little devil was like, why don't you go get a ball and you dribble it? Because she's not going to tell a grown man to stop dribbling the ball. Why don't you go get it? Or, and this is what the devil ultimately convinced me to do, Why don't you just tap your foot like you're dribbling and make her think there's a ball so she'll turn around and fuss at you and then you go, hey, there's no ball here. I don't know what you're talking about, Um, which I may or may not have done. Finally, finally, after a little bit of debate, the angel finally spoke up and said, Russ, this is a middle school volleyball game. Your nephew shouldn't have had a ball dribbling it. Is your ego really so sensitive that you can't have let an official have a little bit of authority about that because they're responsible for that game. Is your I mean, is that is your ego really that sensitive? And I and I chilled out. I'm like, I'm being silly. I'm I'm really being silly here. I I got to cut this out. And then my second thought was, I hate the Holy Spirit sometimes. <laughs> I mean, Because he's always right, right? I mean, he's always, I mean, the Spirit is always whispering in our ear, and he's always right. And he's just trying to help us be a better version of ourselves. And that ultimately is what the Spirit is for. The Spirit is given to produce within us the characteristics of a Christian. The Spirit's not given to to do the miraculous gifts and the, the tongues and all that kind of stuff. And I understand, you know, that, that I, I'm not going to deny that those things happen. I've got good friends in charismatic movements, very good friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but I think they would even say that's not the real purpose of the Spirit. The real purpose of the Spirit is sanctification. It, it's, to, it's to help us. The, the reason that God's Spirit is living in me is to help me be more loving and more kind and more joyful and more patient and more self-controlled because I'm not usually. And if you think about it, that's the true miracle of the Spirit. The miracle of the Holy Spirit is the fact that our ego and our selfishness and our sinfulness doesn't always win. <laughs> that, that, that I mean, that's the miracle, that I sometimes am self-controlled when everything within me doesn't want to be. Or the, the miracles that I am kind when everything within me doesn't want to be. Or that I'm patient when everything within me doesn't want to be and that's what that's why the spirit's given to us the spirit is given to us to produce within us the character of christ and so we're going to spend the next uh 10 weeks talking about these characteristics of christ so that we would become more like christ in our lives we would we would and we're not always going to win the battle but we would to the best of our ability ah I'm gonna correct one thing here. It's not us winning the battle. The spirit's not always gonna win the battle. Sometimes our fleshly side's gonna win out. You see what I mean? But but it's it's so that we would more often than not yield to the spirit. And when the when that that angel's whispering, chill out, <laughs> calm down, don't do it, you know, be careful here, be happy, be joyful whatever, that, that, that we, would, we would yield to that more in our lives. And so we're going to spend the rest of the year talking about this. And I, and I, hope, it's a, I hope this is not just like a study for us. I hope it's a transform, transformative experience for us. That's what I'm hoping for me, too. That's why I want to talk about it. So, um, but I got to quit today, and that's okay. I got nine weeks left to finish this. So next week, we're going to talk about self-control. So we're going to do them in reverse order. The reason we're doing them in reverse order is because love, joy, Peace and forbearance just happen to coincide with the themes of Advent. And so when we get to Advent, we're going to be talking about those themes. So we're going to talk about self control next week. And uh, then we'll, we'll move from there. But let me say a word of prayer for us, and this will be our, our dismissal prayer as well. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, I am thankful for uh, the teaching in your word. It is amazing to me when I read your word, especially in, in different translations that I'm not used to reading. It's amazing to me how relevant it is, and how it just spe- the power in your word speaks so directly to what we're dealing with in our lives. And um, I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful that you inspired Paul to write honestly about his struggle with sin, that it was something that he knew he didn't want to do it, and he kept doing it, and um, that he he confessed that he couldn't do it without help. He couldn't defeat the fleshly side of his nature without help. And we're in the same boat. We it, our own, our own willpower is not enough, and um, our um, religion is not enough, and worship experiences are not enough, and good preaching is not enough, and Bible study is not enough, and none of that helps us be more loving and more kind. and more. What, what ultimately helps us is you, in our lives, speaking those truths to us. And I pray you help us to listen. And I know sometimes you, you speak through the word or through worship or through preaching or those things to us. But I pray you help us to listen, most importantly, to you, your presence in our lives. That we would listen to that and we would yield ourselves to that. So that uh, we might be the kind of the light shining on the hill, a city on a hill. And, and we might influence others for the good because we're, we're following in the way of your son Jesus. So I pray that through the rest of this week... You help us do that. And then the rest of this year, you help us do that. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. We'll see you next Sunday.